Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 85 of The Sco Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield, happy to be with you for today, Thursday, March 12th, 2020. It's a weird time to be alive. We're going to actually talk about that here at the outset, but we got a ton of stuff on the docket today. We're going to talk about some Kong picks. We're going to talk about some Gronk news. We're going to talk about free agency, our sort of impromptu free agency preview as we look ahead to next week and the start of NFL free agency, the tampering period, and all these dates are somewhat in flux given the fact that they're trying to work out a new CBA. Again, it's a weird time to be alive. But since you are alive and you're listening to the show, our usual reminders, please follow along with the hijinks and the antics at Mark Schofield on Twitter. Follow the work at places like Inside the Pylon, Pro Football Weekly, Matt Waldman's Rookie Scouting Portfolio, Touchdown Wire, part of the USA Today NFL coverage. Also those three SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and right here at Pat's Pulpit. We've got a new episode of the QB Sco Show. Mr. Kist and I got back together, recorded a little episode about free agent landing spots at the quarterback position, pandemics, viruses, H1N1. All sorts of fun, happy stuff for the fun, happy world we live in. And I did sort of want to start there uh, because good pal Charles McDonald, who now covers the NFL up in New York City, got a chance to see him out in Indianapolis. He put out a tweet that was, it kind of hit home in in a way. He's basically something to the effect of, it feels weird to like try and care about free agency with everything. And I am, for those of you on News Channel 8, you can see this, but for those of you who just listen to the audio pod, I am just gesturing in the general direction and vicinity of everything. We've got coronavirus slowly spreading around the planet. The World Health Organization called it a pandemic. And I'm not going to dwell on it too much. It just is a weird time to be alive. Um, Constant state of wondering what the next steps will be. Um, But take care of yourselves. Get sleep, get rest, drink fluids, wash your hands, all the stuff that I've been saying at the end of the past couple of shows. I'm saying it now up front. The gentle reminder from here at the Scope Show, just take care of yourselves, take care of your loved ones. If you have family members, parents, grandparents that might be a little bit older, keep that in mind. You know, maybe check in with them from time to time. Don't drop in on them. Like, just... Just be wary of the times we live in. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your loved ones. 
Let's talk Gronk for a second because that's somewhat happy news. It was reported on Tuesday that Rob Gronkowski is reportedly deep in talks with the WWE. And we all sort of knew this was coming, right? You know, back on the days of the Locked On Patriots show when I used to be over there and then coming over here and thinking about Gronk stepping away, it always seemed like he was setting himself up for a career in wrestling, like post-NFL. And it does sort of make sense. Like, he's an entertaining guy. He's fun to watch. And so, we obviously wish Rob Gronkowski the best. We spent some time this season when he had his CBD announcement and we talked about his presser and we talked about, you know, we played a clip of that show and talked about Gronk, sort of the human side of him. And so, while there are certainly stories of injuries and performing through pain in the WWE more historically than recently, we do wish him the best and we hope that he finds that sort of happy place that he used to have when he was on the football field. Let's talk comp picks for a second. The NFL announced in the past couple of days the compensatory picks for the 2020 NFL draft and as we all sort of expected, the Patriots were awarded a league-high four compensatory picks They added two third-rounders and two sixth-rounders. Gives them 12 overall selections in the draft. We'll run through those in a second. The additions were picks number 98, 100. Those are the two third-rounders. And 212 and 213. They were given these compensatory picks as a result of losing out on Trey Flowers, Trent Brown, Malcolm Brown, and Corderell Patterson. Now, they were one of 15 teams to be awarded compensatory picks. The Denver Broncos, Houston Texans, Minnesota Vikings, New York Giants, Philadelphia Eagles, and Seattle Seahawks all received three picks. The Texans get the highest overall pick, third rounder at 97. The Giants, the Seahawks, the Steelers, the Eagles, the Rams, the Vikings, and the Ravens were the other clubs to get third round picks. The Bucks, the Bears, the Dolphins, the Redskins... The Ravens, the Seahawks, and the Eagles all received fourth-round picks with the Eagles getting two fourth-rounders. The Broncos and the Cowboys got the only fifth-rounders, and the Patriots and the Seahawks had the only sixth-rounders. In the seventh round, the Giants with two, the Texans with two, the Vikings with two, the Dolphins with two, and the Broncos also with two all secured seventh-round picks. Now, what does this mean for the Patriots' current draft order? Here's what they have, the 12 picks that they have. They have a pick at 23. Nothing in the second round. And then they have picks in the third round at 87. That was their original. And then 98 and 100. Those were the two comp picks. They have a pick in the fourth round at 125. That was via a trade with the Chicago Bears. And they have nothing in the fifth round. Because, as we know, Bill Belichick hates fifth round picks. When we get to the sixth round, they got a bunch of selections. So they got a pick at 195, which they acquired via trade from Denver. They got a pick at 204, which they acquired via trade with Houston. And two comp picks at 212 and 213. Then in the seventh round, they've got a pick at 230, which they acquired via trade with Atlanta. A 235 via Philly. A 241 via Seattle. And that closes it out. So that's sort of what they've got 
going into this draft. And I thought it'd be worth it for a second to pull up the old trade value chart and sort of see what, if anything, that could potentially do for the Patriots. Now, those picks at 98 and 100, the trade value there potentially, at least according to the drafttech.com old school trade value chart, is a combined 208 points, which could get you, those two picks could get you all the way up to perhaps pick 76 overall, which is, again, a third-round pick. So in terms of packaging those to get up into the second round, that might be tough. It might be a situation where they might have to part with the pick at 87 and the pick at 98, that would get you to 263. And apparently the final pick in the second round, Seattle's, is worth 270. And so then you might have to add in one of those sixth round picks. Now, probably that one at 95. That might get you into the back of the second round. So you're giving up the pick at 87 and 98. And if you package those two, like I said, 98 and 100, you're just getting up to about the 70s. And so while it does seem like they can make those two comp picks in the third part of a move to get into the second, they might not get it done alone. And as we start thinking about New England potentially moving around the board a bit, it does still scream to me that the easier way to get into the second round is to trade out of 23. Now, trading out of 23... Again, I look at Indy, maybe that pick at 44 or the one at 34 maybe. And then what else does Indy have? You could potentially get, let's say, that pick at 34. And the Patriots pick at 23 is worth 760. That pick at 34 is 560. So something in that sort of 200 range. Maybe they're picking third round at 75. And then if you're in New England, you have that pick at 34, pick at 75. You have your own pick at 90, at 87, and then 98 and 100. That gives you 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 picks in the top 100. Granted, they're all second round and later, second and third round, but that's pretty doable. You could certainly acquire some value players with five picks in the top 25 in the top 100 even if they're all day two picks I still keep coming back to the idea of Indy as a trading partner especially in a scenario where Indy decides to come back into the first round to draft a quarterback somebody that's fallen and so again interesting the Patriots now have 12 draft picks to move around with 12 draft picks to play with anytime Bill Belichick has more draft capital at his disposal He's going to make some moves. We know the trades are coming. He's not going to make all 12 picks. Speaking of which, it is time for the official SCO show draft pick over under. I'm going to set the line at seven. I want to hear from you via Twitter or elsewhere if you think they're making more than seven or less than seven. I'm not going to... I might have a draft challenge of some kind where I'll give it out a prize. I've I've been formulating something in my head. Whether it's like a first-round mock or a full-on Patriots mock, it might be a first-round mock. I think that's probably the best way to do it. 
with sort of a weighted point scale as the picks go along. Like, I'm not going to give you, you know, honest, like say like the first pick is worth one point. The second pick is worth two points. Cause like getting Joe Burrow right shouldn't cost the same as getting the guy picked at 32, right? So maybe something like that. I might put something like that together, but the official SCO show draft pick over under is set at seven. Let me know what you think they're going to do. Like I said, on the Slack channel or on Twitter at Mark Schofield up next. The free agency preview, a sort of impromptu slapdash SCO show, free agency preview, talking about some fits, talking about players that from New England that might get acquired by other teams, some risky picks, things like that. That's ahead on episode 85 of the SCO show. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 85 of the SCO Show. And let's talk free agency. Like I said, sort of our impromptu free agency preview. I think it's important before we do that, however, to sort of lay out what's coming down the pike, okay? Here's what the schedule looks like as of right now. Now, remember, some of these things got pushed back. These are the updated key dates for the National Football League. At Saturday at 11.59 p.m. Eastern, that is this Saturday, that is the deadline for players to propose vote on the proposed CBA. That's a new deadline. Monday at 11.59 Eastern, that is the deadline. This is an a.m. Monday, 11.59 a.m. Eastern, that is the deadline to apply a franchise or transition tag. One minute later, legal tampering window opens. That is Monday at 12 noon, high noon Eastern. Then Wednesday at 4 p.m., free agency actually begins. And now let's talk about the Patriots. Current cap space, according to our friend Miguel Benzon at Pat's Cap on Twitter, 29069286 dollars That is the current cap space that the New England Patriots have. Now, at other places, you might see a different number. For example, at overthecap.com, it's $41.659 million. But we trust Miguel's numbers. Now, in terms of free agents for the New England Patriots, there are a number of decisions to make. The list is long and distinguished. Tom Brady, Devin McCourty, Kyle Van Noy, Philip Dorsett, Nate Emner, Matt Slater, Jamie Collins, Danny Shelton, Nick Folk, Marshall Newhouse, Joe Tooney, Benjamin Watson, James Ferenc, Shalit Calhoun, Jermaine Illuminor, Ted Karras, Landon Roberts, Adam Butler, Keonta Davis. That is a long list. Before we start thinking about guys outside the organization, let's talk about the guys that I expect to be back. Devin McCourty, I think, will be back. Nate Ebner, Matthew Slater, I expect, will be back. 
I think Jamie Collins will be back for a reason that I'll get into in a moment. I think Jamie, I think Danny Shelton will be back. I think James Ferenc will be back. I think Alandon Roberts, Adam Butler, and Keonta Davis will be back. Now, and Jermaine Illuminor as well. He's a restricted rights free agent. Adam Butler is a restricted rights free agent. And Keontae Davis is an exclusive rights free agent. And so those guys basically don't have a ton of options. Patriots can sign up to tenders. For Davis, it's Patriots or nowhere else. Patriots have ex- exclusive rights there. That leaves a couple of guys that I have questions marks about. Tom Brady, Kyle Van Noy, Philip Dorsett, I think Dorsett is gone. Nick Folk, I think is gone. Marshall Newhouse, I think is gone. Joe Tooney, I think is gone. Benjamin Watson is going to retire. And Ted Karras, I think, is gone. Brady is an interesting scenario. And I guess this will be sort of, since we've got Mock Draft Monday 7.0 coming, the final SCO Show Tom Brady preview. And the way I look at it is this. I am less confident in this than I was a while ago, but I still think Tom Brady comes back. I think, again, if you look around the landscape of NFL teams, the path for Tom Brady to win a Super Bowl, it's probably easiest for him in New England rather than anywhere else. He's not going to be learning a new offense. He knows everything that there is to know about the franchise and the organization. And it does sort of seem like, again, if you believe what you hear in the media, which maybe you do, maybe you don't, that the market for Tom Brady is not as viable as we thought it was. That perhaps the Raiders are really backing away. The Colts are maybe backing away. I know that there's a report that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be all in on Tom Brady. And I've been floating that idea for a while now. Schematically, I'm not sure it's the best fit for him, but I think it would be an opportunity where He can certainly challenge himself. And so that's fascinating to think about Tom Brady and a Bruce Arians, Coriel, downfield, vertical pass and attack. But I'm just not sure that Brady goes to Tampa Bay. You know, in Tennessee, perhaps, you know, like they're using Brady as potential leverage for what they're going to do with Ryan Tannehill. And so... I think when push comes to shove, Tom Brady is back in the fold. But to bring him back, you're going to have to create some space. You're going to have to restructure some things. Guys like Kyle Vanoy is certainly not going to be viable. A guy like Jamie Collins, you might not be able to get him back. Joe Tooney, I think, is definitively gone. He's going to get a massive market. The guard market is basically Joe Tooney, Brandon Sheriff, Graham Glasgow, and that's it. Oh, wait, there's the guy from, um, I think it's not the Panthers or the Saints, Rooten or something like that. Greg Van Rooten, yeah, from the Panthers. That's basically those four guys, the guard market. And having written a lot about free agency for Touchdown Wire for the past couple of days, I've got free agent fits for the quarterbacks. I've got one free agent for each team to target. I've got a piece on the 11 riskiest free agents, which I'm going to dive into a little bit more in a second. 
Garden market's not great. And Brandon Sheriff, he's got an injury history. He's got, I think, 13 and a half sacks given up over 65 games, whereas Joe Tooney in 64 games has given up seven. Brandon Sheriff has one postseason game, no sacks given up. Joe Tooney has 10 postseason games, no sacks given up, including the Super Bowl where he faced Aaron Donald on the interior for a lot. And so Joe Tooney's going to command a big deal. So if Brady does come back, we've seen a lot of guys go. Jamie Collins, I mentioned the piece that I did over Touchdown Wire. It came out Wednesday night. You might not have seen it yet about the 11 riskiest free agents. And one of them is Jamie Collins. And I think he's risky in an environment that is not New England. You look at what he's done. In Cleveland, what he did during that stint in Cleveland versus what he's done in New England, almost two completely different players. Another thing to keep in mind with Jamie Collins is this, and this is something that I didn't really piece together until I was putting this article together. The bulk of his defensive production, six of his sacks, all three interceptions, and two of his forced fumbles, for example, came in the first half of the season. Now, whether that is due to the Patriots' defense and the Patriots themselves just fading down the stretch or an issue with Jamie Collins himself remains to be seen. But that is also something to keep in mind. The risky free agents I've written about, the 11 that I'm identifying in sort of our risky part of the free agency preview, Philip Rivers, I think it speaks for himself. He kind of fell off a cliff last year. Brandon Scherer, for some of the reasons I outlined, Hunter Henry, although I identified him as the guy the Patriots need to go after, there is still an injury, a severe injury risk there. Now, what makes Hunter Henry enticing, and what makes Austin Hooper was also an, a risk, I think, what makes them enticing is the fact that this draft class at the tight end spot isn't good. But for Hunter Henry, for example, he's what you're dealing with from an injury situation. His second season in the NFL ended early with a knee injury and a lacerated kidney. He comes back for OTAs the next year, but tore his ACL, missed the entire regular season, coming back for just their division round game against the Patriots. Then last year, he had a tibia plateau fracture to his left knee, missed the first five games of the season. That's a lot. Is he worth pursuing? Sure. But the theme of this... 11 riskiest free agent players article was caveat emptor, right? Buyer beware. You've got to price that in. Maybe a team throws a ton of money at them and you don't get it, you don't want to get caught in a bidding war. What about an Eric Ebron? Or I don't know. Does the name Hollister ring any bells? That's right. Our old friend at the tight end position. Somebody that while well, we thought, hey. You know, there's something to this guy, and then it never quite pans together. That's right. Jacob Hollister is technically a free agent. Now, the issue there is that he's a restricted free agent. So the Seahawks, he was undrafted, so if they put an original round tender on him, he can basically walk. Teams won't have to compensate Seattle. If they put like a first or a second round tender on them, you'd have to give up a pick. But Seattle, look, they've got Will Disley. They've signed Greg Olson. He might be T3 there. They've also got Luke Wilson, although he's probably gone. He's an unrestricted free agent. 
So perhaps Jacob Hollister comes back. Who knows? I mentioned Austin Hooper, the other tight end. The thing with Hooper in terms of risk via free agency, and this is something I learned while studying him, reading about him, doing some research. According to the Pro Football Focus and their chart, Hooper gained 75.5% of his receiving production on targets defined as holes in zones or underneath the defense, which is the highest percentage in the league. So a lot of his production was based on situation around him. Having Julio Jones on the outside is going to draw a ton of attention so you can just operate against underneath zones. And also, PFF grades, again, they're just one data point, but since 2016, Hooper has just a 58.9 receiving grade against single coverage. If you're asking him to be the focal point and to win one-on-ones, you might be disappointed. Some other risky guys, Derrick Henry and Melvin Gordon. Why? The whole running back value thing. If you want to throw a ton of money at these guys, fine. But in today's NFL, we know passing is king. Logan Ryan, I think he's a risk in free agency. Why? Well, he had five picks, four in the regular season, one obviously in the postseason. But he also gave up a passer rating when he was targeted of 97.8 this season. Gave up 11.8 yards per reception. He gave up 80 receptions, most in the NFL. He was targeted 114 times, most in the NFL. He also gave up 426 yards after the catch as a result. 17 missed tackles as well. Those 17 missed tackles, those 426 yards after the catch, career highs. You can sign him. Make sure you get safeties that can tackle behind him. Bud Dupree, I think, is a risk via free agency. Why? The 11 and a half sacks tell part of the story. He generated pressure on just 11.1% of his past rushing plays last season. That tied him for 63rd among the league's 99 qualifying pass rushers. His 28 pressures last year placed him behind his teammate TJ Watt, who led the league by generating 59 pressures on opposing passers. Dupree benefited a ton from TJ Watt's presence. Are you going to get them both? I don't think so. And if TJ Watt's getting a ton of attention in double teams, that creates one-on-one for one-on-ones for Dupree, right? Well, he won just 13.1% of his one-on-one situations, tied for 50th in the league, according to PFF's chart. So if you're going to sign him expecting to get a bunch of sacks, either have somebody on the other side, like a Jadavion Clowney, that's going to get a ton of attention, or good luck. And speaking of Clowney, he is also a risk, even though he might be the best pass rusher available. Why? Because he wants a market-moving deal, a market-setting contract. Something north, perhaps, of $21 million, which is what Demarcus Lawrence got last year. And if you're a team like New England, and you're going to bring Tom Brady back and sign Jadavion Clowney, good luck. You can't make the numbers work, I don't think. Absent a miracle. Baltimore, you've got $30 million in cap space. You've got to sign Matt Judon, perhaps. As much as I think Clowney would be a great target for them, a 21 or so million a year, that's tough. Especially when you consider there are guys like Robert Quinn, Dante Fowler, Jason Pierre-Paul, and other, others that could be available in that 12 to $15 million range. And, and so he's risky. And then finally, look, we got to be honest here. We're amongst friends. Tom Brady's a risk if you're another team signing him. Because we are in, as they say, uncharted territory. 
Now, what do I expect to happen over the next couple of days? I have no idea. I wish I knew. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch unfold. I think obviously the first big domino to fall will be Tom Brady. I do believe Brady comes back. But whatever happens, you know I will be here. So that's sort of a quick, breezy, free agency type preview. Next you will hear from me, unless news breaks over the weekend. It's Mock Draft Monday 7.0, so send in your mocks. Until then, friends, keep washing those hands. And please, while you do, sin along and bless those Patriots reign down in Foxborough.